What is going on? Welcome back to the Circle of Debate MMA podcast episode, I believe 32 for UFC 289. And Coach joined us right at the perfect moment. You're never late. You're always in the I'm here with, obviously, Coach Rage from KMI BYR. Uh, and longtime MMA fan, co-host, Dan Blakely from KJIQ. We may have some special guests coming in. And uh, we got Ivan watching at home. This one's for you, brother. I can't wait to get into these fights. I was talking to Dan off air about the main card coach. And I want your thoughts real quick. Did this look like a pay-per-view that would sell? Um, is there something going on in the background? I hear a TV. Not my, I don't have a TV here, so. Anyone watching? This should be good. I still hear the news. Yeah, I don't know. I hear something. Um, I'm sorry, director. Ask the question again. The question was, <laughs> looking at the main card that we're about to review for a close to $100 pay-per-view, besides the main event, do you see this selling well? Is this a card you would buy if you were buying cards? Isn't that a weird question? Um, this is a weird card. I think it's going to sell well. Um, I, think, I think Amanda is a draw and i think the uh the co-main people want to see that they want to see uh charlie o's and uh and benny they they want to see that fight uh the rest of the card is really weird really right. weird and you know uh to out myself a little bit i don't normally have to do a lot of research before we do this um, I just said that to Dan. I just said that. I'm like, I recognize the names, but I have to pull the records up and be like, oh, that's the guy who had that last fight. I just no, no, the, the featured yeah. event, the, the third fight on the card. Like, uh, how are these guys number three on the main card? I don't literally I, said that <laughs> you know, and I I I had to do some some digging around and some watching fights and you know, I sound like an idiot now, but hopefully when I'm talking about the fights, I'll sound less like an idiot. But, uh, yeah, and then, you know, uh, Eric Anders, friend of mine, but uh, your boy. Uh, <laughs> I love that. That's, actually, <laughs> yes. that's, his, that's, his, that's his fight name, people. It's, it's a good one. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Um, but is he uh, is, is he really... Uh, preliminary, or I'm sorry, uh, a main card attraction at this point, or is he more of a preliminary fighter? I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I Here's what I will say. They are weird, and especially like the prelims um, and the early prelims, I have no idea. There's uh, two fights on there that, uh, that I was just like, ah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, but actually, I think that's how the early prelims should be. Right, that's where we should have people that we have no idea who they are and that they're making their introduction. Um, but uh, lots of lots of strange fights. I do think that this main card is going to be eventful. I think there's, I think they are well matched, and uh, you know, you got you got some people that are fighting, you know, fighting for your life, you know. Uh, yeah, you absolutely. lose this fight, you lose your contract. I got a few and, statements. I got a few fighters where that absolutely applies on that main yeah, card. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, 
But without the name recognition, without like that, you know, that Connor star power, which few fighters have, these fights have every bit of potential to be as exciting as any major pay-per-view that's coming up in the next year. Yeah. Um, and I think always, always I sleep think, on fighters you don't know because they do have something to prove. Yeah, and I, I, I think the fan base is catching on. Uh, you know, again, this the official statistic is that 85% of the fan base is casual. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that's changing. I, I think, I think people, or maybe we could say even the casuals are figuring out that there's good fights happening and exciting fights, even if you uh, don't know who they are, and even if the judges need to be crucified. <laughs> and and I think the, the the fact that they're doing more and more events with the fight nights now it's like you're getting two or three fight night cards on ESPN and then you're getting the pay-per-view. So, so they're giving, I think they're giving more fighters the chance to be on a pay-per-view and with, with a lot of fights getting canceled or moved because of all these injuries, I think that's what they're doing. They're seeing if these guys can sink or swim uh, on the pay-per-views. Yeah. Like look at, I mean, obviously is it Raul Rosas? Is that his name? Raul. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. His first two, non-contender series fights for pay-per-views. Bo Nichols debuted in the UFC on a pay-per-view main card. So there is potential to make stars out of those prelims and those farm club companies for sure. Um, but then it's always like, oh, is it too soon to put these guys? You know, the argument with Raul Rosas is like, oh, he won his first fight, lost a second. He's 19. He gives his whole recovery. He'll get better. Uh, you know, Bo yeah. Nichols tearing it up right now. We'll see how he does long-term. But uh, those farm club shows definitely help build the brand. It's just getting those casuals who don't know these guys to pay that much money, which, I mean, UFC is not hurting for cash. I don't think they really care about that anymore. Right. And ESPN doesn't give a fuck either. So, but, <laughs> and whatever endeavor is definitely not hurting. Yeah. Yeah. No. Cool. But well, I mean, that being said, the, sorry, the numbers, the numbers are still there. You know? Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're not, they're not dropping way, off. The on... general income has never really been. It's yeah. not. It's not Vladimir Matyshenko versus Tito Ortiz at UFC like 30 in Vegas, at the Wow UNLV Center. Remember that one? Wow. That was the first fight. Th- after, thank you. Thank you for making me feel after, old. Yeah, the first fight after 9/11, and yeah. nobody showed up, and it was the longest UFC event card. And Daniel was like, "I need to sell this motherfucker." <laughs> wow. So, 30 years later, and here we are still talking about the greatest sport on the planet and it's as strong as ever. And I'm totally stoked for it. And I can't wait to talk about this very potentially underestimated main card with the first fight of the night. Being you, middle one. Sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a mess tonight. I'm sorry, guys. You guys remember the movie, uh, say yeah. anything, John Cusack. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, and he, uh, what was his character's name? Lloyd Dobler or something like that. And yeah, anyway. something like that. Yeah. He he was going I, on I, about I, kickboxing. I, I say it again. I said I, I own a sky. I think played like the girlfriend, something like that. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, yeah, and he was going oh, on yeah, about kick- right. Mailed it. <laughs> You're a freak. Um, weird. Yeah, he got that brain. Uh, and he's going on about kickboxing being the sport of the future. You know, and uh, Cusack just stopped in at Pugilist Gym, a uh, friend of mine owns it. His, his name's Thor. Uh, imagine that, Thor and Rage being friends. Um, and I was I was like kicking back and thinking, man, what if he was right about 
you know, I wish he was right about kickboxing being the sport of the future. And then I was like, wait a second, MMA is actually the sport of the future yeah. and it's here now and we're doing it. So and kickboxing is one of the big three, you know, as far as like, if you say jujitsu, wrestling, kickboxing. Okay. <laughs> well, if you, the, the three primary colors yeah, of MMA, yeah, striking, yeah, okay. grappling, wrestling. Yeah. yeah. Those are the, the red, blue. There you go. Yellow. Of, of MMA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you're talking about Bro, UFC, if you're talking I've about other ones. Yeah. Interviewers go out on the street and ask, like, uh, Zoomers, ask, you know, Gen Z, and they don't know their primary colors. Like, it's crazy. I mean, y'all are stupid. Kids hey, are I, fucking I, I, I don't lie within any generational title, so... Other people, people are a person is smart. People are stupid. I forget what movie that was from, but yeah, that's that's something I've always. Men in black. Fucking goddamn it! You're right. <laughs> wow, you really you really nailed it. But yeah, that is exactly it. And that is the I because it's true. So yeah, cool. So you guys ready to talk about this this main card? Where yeah, are the brothers of pain? They they were on. I thought they were coming on. The big league in us. They're big. Oh. <laughs> They're the Philly frenetics to our, yeah. to our, yeah. But before we do that, just want to remind everybody, the Bloodline Entertainment Network, the link is right there. Subscribe on YouTube, www.youtube.com slash at the Bloodline ENT. And of course, we're talking about the UFC 289 pay-per-view breakdown right now. We're talking about the five fights on the main card. I'll bring the first fight up right now. We got the middleweight bout. We got Eric Anders versus Mark Andre Berrio. I'll, I'll let you start, Chris. Cool, man. Um, I'm entertained by Eric Anders. Like he's a fun fighter. I think he has like a sports background, isn't he? He was a football player. Football player, yeah. Right. So yeah, he Alabama. Brought, yeah. So he brought that athleticism over to the cage. Um, I don't see him being a title contender anytime soon, unfortunately, but he does bring entertaining fights. Um, he is one of his last three, but he did win his last fight against Kyle Dukakis. Uh, same goes for his opponent, Mark andre Berrio, who is coming off a what I think was a comeback victory over the Cuban Missile Crisis, Julian Marquez, who blew his wad in that first round, letting Berrio come back in the second and sort of take over, let the conditioning take over. And I think one of Eric Andre's, and I know he's a friend of yours, this is my casual perspective, is that he doesn't have like a pedal to the metal gas tank. Um, he does bring it quick and fast, but I think Barry might be able to withstand that onslaught just like he did against Marquez. Um, I don't know if it's going to be a finish. I don't know how many times Andre's been or Andre's has been finished. Only twice, one by KO, one by submission. So not very many. So I'm going to do power dedu deduction and give uh, on, uh, Mark andre Barrio the decision on this one based on just his longevity and his ability to withstand uh, a flurry in that first round. What up, Tim? What's going on? We got Tim. What's good, fellas? Big fights this weekend. We yeah. got Kai coming in. Sup, fellas? And then we got Nick chiming in. What's good, boys? Thank you guys for tuning in. Absolutely. Love the comment section. Love it live, too, because I can see who's really watching us. Uh, yeah. So with my, my pick of Burial by decision, who you got, Blakely? 
First, we got Eric Andrews. He has that wrestling background. You know, you talked about the football. He was a linebacker safety there. He wanted to transfer after he didn't very really cut it. He flew it around a couple of football teams in spring training. I mean, at spring training in training camp, didn't make it. He transferred over to MMA and he really uses like a wrestling base. He likes to clinch up along the cage. He likes to kind of control you, keep you kind of confined. And then he, he's kind of limited, in my opinion, in the striking. There's a lot of looping shots. He's been doing a little bit better with it, but he tends to go for the knockout. And then he will get tired in fights. I think that's one of the things that kills him and why he tries to clinch along the cage as he does that. But then you've got Power Bar. He, he has that nickname for a reason because of his power and then the fact that he tends to waste all of his bar in the first round. But he, he definitely looked a lot better in his last fight, which you mentioned. He looked like he was managing his cardio better. He wasn't pouring everything out right away. He mixes his kicks and his strikes pretty well in that fight. And I feel like he's going to have the better advantage because he has the, the better attack from a distance. I feel like as long as he can keep the fight from a distance, he's going to hit him with the volume. And he has a knockout power. We've seen that. We've seen the last one with the, the leg kicks that he can throw. And I feel like this could be same as last one where maybe Andres is the better guy early, but as he fades, then it's going to go to Barrio. So if Andres doesn't finish him early, then it's going to be a Mark andre Barrio by decision. So I'm going with Power War on this one. Yeah, that's pretty much how I feel that story is going to go down. Coach, tell us if we're wrong, buddy. <coughs> Sorry. Um, so – Anyone that has seen me on this podcast before, one thing that you know about me is that I am biased as fuck. If you have inside if, information, though, too. Well, that's true. I also do have a lot of insider information. But if if you're a friend of mine, I I get biased and blind, and I pick you. This might be the first time on this podcast ever. Where that's not going to happen. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I do not know definitively, but I believe whoever loses this fight loses their contract. I don't know if that's one hundred percent certain, but I, I would, I would bet that that's the, that's the case. Um, this is going to be an unattractive fight. Uh, there's going to be a lot of laying on the cage, uh, but power bar a, he's got the hometown advantage. Uh, they gave him a do or die in your hometown or your home country. Um, he's got the better striking. He's more well-rounded. He, he is not as strong physically as your boy. But, uh, you know, that's it's not enough to get it done. Not just being the stronger athlete is not enough. Uh, I think uh, I think power bar is going to win by decision. And uh, I'm sorry, Eric. (laughs) (laughs) We know we know he's a big fan of the podcast and he watches feverishly. So I think you may have some words at the gym uh, come Monday. So and it's it's, it's very interesting because. He took a week out uh, a month or two ago, and he was actually in my neck of the woods 
training with Andre Petrosky. Yo, you know, just the other day, uh, one of our, our fighters gave me shit for liking on Instagram his opponent. I, like I, liking, like you followed him? Well, no, I have a lot of fighters that follow me. Right. right. And generally, if you follow me, I follow you back, especially if you are, you know, and with the matchmaking and everything. So uh, I didn't know who his opponent was. I, yeah. it, it, the thing is, on Instagram, I'm like Oprah. You get a like, you get a like, you get, you know, and I just scroll and like and scroll and like. But uh, anyway, that, I'm, man, I'm, I'm, I must not have taken my ADD medication today. I'm, I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, no. and, and we got my, my buddy Ron chiming in. Mark is Owen too in Canada in the UFC. That's, that's, that's good. That's a point. Uh, those are, that's those a are the good stats to bring right there. When you think about it, this is a guy from Canada and he's Owen too. So is he going to come in feeling like he needs to make a good point to get a good finish knowing that he hasn't won there in his last two fights. And those, those losses were, uh, you know, I, I know a lot of Nakamura's, and they're all, yeah, they're all badass killers. Like, so. And then you got Ivan, who who doesn't follow Cage uh, Coach Rage? He better follow Coach Rage now. LMAO. <laughs> <laughs> sweet. Yeah. Uh, so we all generally are picking very old by. Are you picking picking by decision as well, Coach? I am. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Let's Next spot of the on. night. Let's get them graphics, buddy. We got the featherweight battle. We got Dan Ige versus Nate Landwehr. Yeah, we do. Let me close out the Whoa, previous those... records. So, as Coach said earlier, there's a lot of fights on here where you were fighting for your job. And Dan Ige was in that fight in his last fight for sure. And I still think he's in that position, unfortunately. Because if he does lose this fight, that will put him one in four of his last five. Mm-hmm. So that knockout of Damon Jackson came at the right time, but he is not out of the deep water yet. And Nate Landwehr is someone who can take him there coming off of three wins in a row with two subs out of the last three. Uh, I honestly think Landwehr is super tough. I think he, he had like a, a flying knee, like flash KO loss a couple years ago, right? Yeah. Against Julian Arosa. So um, he's not unfinishable. And Ige can surprise you, but I just think that the momentum goes to the wrestler, which I think Landwehr is like a highly accomplished wrestler. Um, or no, is he kickbox? Is he kickboxer? What is? I'm looking at M1 Global. That is wild for a guy from the Midwest to have like a high level M1 Global record. I thought he was a wrestler. Anyone yeah, in the it chat? Like it. Yeah. Um, he dabbles in he dabbles in several things. Yeah, right. Yeah, he, I thought he came from like a high school wrestling, like Matt Hughes level, like background yeah he has a wrestling background uh, but like it it takes like a little bit of this a little bit of that right he's primarily known for being a tough nose guy and i think he's gonna give danny get five of his life and i think this is probably gonna go to a decision for landwehr um i don't know how he's gonna get it there i smart thing would be to dirty box and use your wrestling as a base for sure but uh, if Ige catches you like we saw with damon jackson you could go to sleep i just think this isn't the time for Ige. Um, I don't necessarily think he gets cut off this fight. I just think he has to fight like he will. Um, but I'm giving it to Landwehr by decision as well. Yeah, we got Rob chiming in the line with the Hawaiian. Let's go, Dan. Full respect to Nate. He's hard AF. Yeah, you got Nate Landwehr. He's tough as nose. He's the kind of guy that's going to take 
shots to dish shots out. That's his mentality. He's not afraid to get hit. He's going to come in front of you, right in front of you, and just go go to war. Uh, he has not been finished by any strikes other than knee strikes. The two mm-hmm. times he's been knocked out, it's been two knee strikes. So that's something to, to take care of. He always takes a lot of damage. That's something to me that can get concerning around this time because the more you take damage, the more it's going to hurt you later on in your career, I feel like. You've seen guys that take a lot of damage, start bleeding, and then it gives them scar tissue. Like We've seen Nate Diaz. This is a guy that took damage, and he started to wear it moving forward. And then you got Dane Ige. He's very quickly quick. He has a good boxing background, very fast with his hands, throws combinations. I think this is going to be a very fun fight because you know Nate Lambert is going to try and bully him, yeah, move backwards. But then Dane, never, but never backpedals for sure. Yeah, but then Dan Ige is going to always try and move forward because he feels like his hands are going to be the better weapon in this fight. So it's going to become a, a battle of who's going to knock out who first, in my opinion. And usually I lean towards Nate Landwehr because he has that knockout power. We've seen Ige knock guys out, but he's more so like touch-and-go type of guy. He's trying to throw a lot at you, and he can last a little bit longer gas tank-wise. But somehow I feel like it's going to go to decision. And if it goes to the decision, i got to leave the guy with the more volume, and that's Ige. Oh. I, part of me, part of me wanted to go landwehr. I heard that, but, but I don't. I think thought that's, gonna, that's why I was like, "Whoa!" But rate. I don't. But I don't think he's going to be able to finish Ega. That's the but problem. I, I think that speaks to the what kind of fight this is. Yes. Right. Like it's it, it's going to be back and forth. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be gritty. Um, I'm going to go with Ega. I'm gonna go Ige with decision. I think where uh, I think Nate wins round one. I think Ige that lights a fire under his ass. He comes back and gets rounds two and three. Um, and I would even say it's a split decision because the judges suck. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> hey man, did we talk about uh, the Kaikara France getting fucked? Yeah, uh, yeah, the whole world has spoken up about that. Yeah, Jesus, uh, it was the same judges that uh, were judging for Lomachenko, right? Uh, Probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, don't, I don't watch boxing. It's a two-color sport. It's not my thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do, you, do you guys know the uh, the YouTube channel uh, Mexican Martial Arts MMA? No, sir. Really? I seen oh, a little bit of it. He's hilarious, but uh, he he. He went on and kind of, it's a satirical uh, platform. And uh, he went on and, and said, bad judges are good judges because the worse the judges do, the more, the more fighters will be encouraged to finish their fights. And I, I you know, tell all my guys that, and we it's fight. A terrible good point. You know, it's one of those, like, it's like, you know, like what they have printed at the Tough Center, you know, never leave it in the hands of the judges. That's, exactly. You know, and that's the fucking, that's the motto of the sport. And yet the culture of the sport is to fight to not lose rather than to really to fight to win. Right. Yeah. Uh, Ivan's, hey. Ivan's going neat land wearing this one by decision. Cool. Oh, he's going yeah. with, he's going with Nate. Yeah. I been. mean, I'm surprised that, 
uh, the odds aren't closer on this, uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be an entertaining fight. I think it is going to be a good fight, uh, but I think it's also going to be a very close fight. And unfortunately, it is going to come down to the judge's yeah. decision. Yeah, I'm just intrigued to see if Nate can bully Dan, if he can push him backward, because that's when he has success, when he when Nate's the guy moving forward. But I just feel like Dan is going to stand his ground and have confidence in his hands, because I think he has the better hands in this one. Nate might have the better power, but the hand speed and just the the combinations, I think Ige is vastly better. Yeah. Cool. Let's move on to the next one. We got a welterweight battle between two guys, like you said. <laughs> Never fucking heard of. <laughs> new to the I've heard I've heard the one because he's far in, in the Northeast scene. We got Mike Malat uh, versus Adam Fugit. Start with you. Yeah. So, so I definitely had to do research. Uh, and right now, Adam doesn't even have a Wikipedia, which, I mean, that's not like a point of popularity. <laughs> but I had to go to like SureDog and Topology to find his record just so I had something to compare it to. Um, Mike Malott is on a one, two, three, four, five fight winning streak. Three of those in the UFC and all three of his fights in the UFC finishes with a TKO finish over Mickey Gall, which that's respectable for an up-and-comer against a guy who was supposed to be the future of the sport. Uh, coming off his last win only uh, one month, is it June, February, two months ago, three months ago, and I'm trying well, to That means that Mike also beat CM Punk. I mean, math matters, man. It's real. There you go. It's, it's very true. Uh, and then looking at Adam's record right now, he has two fights in the UFC, and he's batting 500. He's got a loss by punches and then a win by elbows from Mount. Um just based off what I can read on paper right now, I'm going to give the finish to Mike Malloy, uh, Malott, who has four knockouts, five submissions. Here. This, dude, this dude finishes. So you can flip a corner now. he's going to finish this fight, and they're all in the first round. Holy shit, this guy's a fucking killer. I'm going to give him a KO round one just uh, based off what I'm looking at on his record alone. So I'm going Malott KO round one. All finishes. He has one loss, yeah. one draw. Everything else is finished in the his first last- round. His last, last fight was, was on my birthday. There's there a huge gap in his career, though. He has one, two, uh, he has 10, 11 fights in 11 years. So he had 2005. Yeah. yeah, he took off like a grip of years between all of these fights. I don't know if that's due to injury or something else, but yeah, he's got a staggered career. But then uh, Ivan agrees with you, coach. Yeah. He said, Malat beat Mickey Gall. He can beat CM Punk. No, he did beat CM Punk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Damon, Damon Jackson. My, Michael and then we Jackson. Got Kyson, and he's Kai says, "Is that KJ?" Hey, Nunes? man, I love KJ Nunes. <laughs> that kind of does look like the flying Hawaiian KJ Nunes, man. I miss yeah. that kid. KJ Nunes is the so, shit back in like Strike Force. Yeah. So I've watched a lot of Mike Balat. He he did quite a few fights in CFFC. He's Canadian, so he's fighting in his background. Makes and sense. This guy's he's very exciting. Just like you said, he has Six a lot of first one, 170 pounds. That's a big boy. You know yeah. he's coming at 200. This guy is very exciting. He has a knack for stunning his opponents. And then instead of trying to finish him with his hands, he makes a point to go inside and make him tap out. That's what is very exciting about him. But in one of his last uh, regional fights, he, contenders. Yeah, he, he stunned his opponent, went in, and finished him with a guillotine before he went down. Like He, he closes the distance very quick. But – He's kind of deceptive because he likes to fight from a distance, throw leg kicks, throw 
an opposite hand strikes. He's very patient. He doesn't rush anything. He like he has a good gas tank. You just don't know it because he gets his fights done pretty quickly in the first, second round. And he's been on a roll lately doing that. Like literally, I think two or three of the last fights, that's how he did. He stunned his opponent and then made him tap. And then the last one, he won with his hands. And Adam Fugit won his last fight. He looked good there. He uses his frame very well. He fights from a distance as well. But I don't think he has the extensive training as Mike Malat has. I think Mike Malat can grapple with you. He can strike from a distance. He can strike inside. And that's why I'm going with him by round one submission. I think he gets a guillotine and taps Fugit out round one. I like specific finishes like that by guillotine. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, both these guys are tall, right? Yeah. Uh, Malat at Malott. six one, and I six Adam one, and, is, and Fugit is uh six three. Yeah, I see. I see six one on topology, but uh, he he's still a grown yep. boy. And and Fugit has a really long reach for the weight class. Um. I think these records are a little. Inches, yeah, yeah, that's for for yeah for uh, welterweight. That's uh, that's light heavyweight reach. Yeah, just um, Jones was like an eighty-three or something like that. Like something. Wow. Like that. Okay. That's no. What I'm saying is like comparatively, he's like way smaller just in general than than Jones. Yeah. So to have a reach only five or six inches away yes. is okay. A good point. <laughs> um. So, is it is it Fugit or Fugit? It's a uh, Fugit. Fugit. That's what I thought. Fugazi, Fugazi, Awazi. It's a Wizzy with the Wazi. You don't want to complete your redifferential and then bottom out. <laughs> and and one and one point to point out is with Adam his debut fight against Morales. He took on one. Two weeks notice. He took took that on two weeks notice. So mm. he took that as his first fight. And then when he had time and he, his next fight that he had that he took and got the finish against uh, Kinoshita, it was a normal fight camp. And how how much difference did that make? He got the win. So and he knocked, okay. it, he knocked <laughs> Kinoshita. Um, so, I'm also going with uh, with the Canadian uh, with uh, Mike. Marlot. Um is it Malot? Marlot? I don't right. know. I don't anyway. see the I, so I'd say Malot. It's Malot. It's Malot. Okay. Um yeah, yeah I, I I'm going with Mikey there. Uh it's it's gonna be quick, it's gonna be violent. Um but statistically I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh the RNC. Uh, so nice. he's he's gonna he's gonna do what he do. Put on the put on the smash. I think yeah, we'll we'll call it a, a first round finish. But uh, statistically, uh, the RNC is the most common submission in MMA, yes. uh, and that means in the UFC. Uh, then the guillotine, then the armbar. Just uh, just so you guys know, um, yeah. That so. It's funny. This is the this is the one that I had to do the most research on, and that I have the least to say about. I do think it's going to be a good fight, but I do think uh, 
I do think they're, you know, they're they're helping out the Canadian fans. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I think this one is going to be pretty violent, and I, I think it's going to be pretty spectacular. It, Mike has five submission victories, and they're all different submissions. Oh, wow. That's, that's wow. cool. Yeah, he has different that's ones. He, he, that's because he puts his, his victim on Queer Street before he... Exactly, exactly. And I feel like this is a fight. I think it's on the main card in the spot. because they Are we allowed to use that term anymore? That's that's Your like dream, a, yeah, that's a word. Yeah, okay, because uh, you know, I don't want to misgender anybody or anything. Yeah, and I think they're using this uh, this fight to see what they have in Malat because they they're very high on him, and they want to see if he can ha- have a good moment in this fight, get a big win in Canada where he's from, and there's potential surrounding him with how he's won the last five fights. And I feel like if he does it here, then you might see him in a mainstay on 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 these main cards from here on out. Pushing, but if, if you look at the expression in the picture, yeah, like his expression looks like I did misgender him. He's fucking <laughs> pissed. <laughs> we got Ivan going with Mike by second second round submission. Adam, I don't know maybe, but Mike for since they're in Canada. Yeah. It went in doubt just go with the, the Canadian. Yeah, the power of the maple compels you. Yeah. That nice. Let's, let's move on to the co-main event. We've got the Hell lightning yeah. battle. We Hell got yeah. Charles Oliver versus Benir Dariush. This is the people's main event right here. Charlie Olive's <laughs> coming off his first loss in like six years. He was on an 11-fight winning streak, losing that incredible run to the current champion, Islam Makachev. And Benny Dariush on a streak that I never thought I would see him on, that uh, coveted eight-fight win streak, which so few have seen the gates of. Um, Especially super excited. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Super excited to see how this fight goes down because I, I honestly have – the odds would definitely give it to – I mean, those odds are so close as far as, like, that streak that Charlie was on, <laughs> just after that belt. You would think this would be like a 400 plus or something like that, but Benil's looking good lately. Um, I think Benil's striking. I think he's stronger physically in all the areas that he's equal to Charlie. So I think his striking is more powerful. I think his jujitsu is more powerful, but I think Charlie is more clever, and his re- his jujitsu obviously is going to be not only more clever but faster. Um, you look at the opponents that Charlie has knocked out and subbed. They all look and are stronger, but they're not more clever. And that's a huge word that I like to use because it doesn't matter how hard you get hit if, or how hard someone hits if you don't get hit. Um, we saw that in the Chandler fight. We saw that in the Gaethje fight. Those are two guys who were supposed to knock Charlie out like, and were close to doing it, and he was able to come back. And he knocked out Chandler. He subbed Gaethje. Uh, broke the record and they keep breaking his record for most subs in the UFC, which is amazing compared to like CM Punk or not CM Punk. I was reading in CM Punk chat. Boyce <laughs> 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 Gracie was tapping out dudes who can't even find Brazil on a map. So I don't think his record even mattered compared to the modern era where Charlie's tapping out other black belts and other guys who are close to his level, which is in itself just a wild accomplishment. That being said, I still have no idea who wins this fight. Uh, 
I can see Benil knocking him out. I, I can see it. I just can. But I want to see Charlie's first fight back and what he's done to adjust, which shouldn't be much. He got rocked and then he got subbed. And I think he tapped from the sub because he was rocked in that fight. I don't think that sub would have come if he didn't get clipped. Um, and he may still have had the belts. So I am going to give this a dis- man, decision. Am I going to go another decision for Charlie? I don't see him. I don't see him knocking out or tapping Benil. So I'm going to say decision for Charlie. Um, it might even be 29-28, but I don't think it's going to be a split. But that, that's my safe bet right there for yeah. sure. We got Ivan chiming. It's crazy. Both of these last fights on the UFC 280. This is more for Charles. Must need win more than Benio, my opinion. Benio, last three wins were decision. I really like this fight because both of these guys, uh, you got Oliver, who actually just dyed his hair blonde again. So he's bringing back blonde uh, the Bronx. He's looking to get back in the win column. Uh, and then you got Benio Darius, who's looking for that title shot. He should have got the title shot. They gave it elsewhere. So now if he wins this, UFC has said if he wins this, he's guaranteed the next title shot. So he's very hungry to get that title shot he's been waiting for after he beat Matus Gamrot, which he looked very good in stuffing those takedowns of, uh, of Gamrot. His hands were very quick. He had that moment where Gamrot was about to take him down, and then he kind of got down and uppercutted him and stunned Gamrot, and he took over late in that fight. He has a very good cardio. Uh, you got Charles Oliveira. We know him with his uh, high-level jiu-jitsu. He likes to get the back. He likes to use the backpack. We've seen him use that in almost every fight to get that rare naked choke. But one thing that I've seen that he struggled with is southpaws. He struggles against southpaws with striking. And we've seen in the last five fights, he's been stunned in every fight. He gets stunned. He falls to the ground. And then his opponent is a reluctant to get on top of him. And I feel like Benio Dariush is a guy that won't be afraid to get on top of him right away before Oliveira can react to it. It's all about the reaction. You give a guy too much time, it's going to come up with a plan to get out of a bad situation. And that's what Oliveira did against guys like Gagey, Justin Poirier. These are guys that knocked, knocked him down but didn't jump on top of him right away. And then he got back up. We've seen the improved striking from uh, Oliver with the that snapping sidekick that he throws, that jab he's been utilizing. But I feel like this is a different situation. Benir Dariush, I feel like, has the better hands. I feel like he's not afraid to get inside. He has that grappling background that he's not afraid to use on a jiu-jitsu artist. He's probably watched film of Islam Makachev. We've seen the back-and-forth Benir and Makachev has done I think he's very hungry to get the win here, and I could see him knocking out Oliveira around one or two. So I'm going to go see that, but will I see it? (laughs) I'm going with round one. I'm kind of confident he's going to do it because if if I see a guy get stunned in every fight the last five fights, then I feel like he's going to get stunned. It's just a matter of Darius will finish him or if Oliveira would do what he does and get out of it. And the last time we saw Oliveira, he got stunned and then he got tapped. So I'm going with the guy, the higher seer in here right now, and I'm going with Darius. With KO round one? Yes. 
not crazy. Uh, I've predicted Charlie Olives loses that way for the past seven years. It's only, <laughs> it's only happened like once, and I think it was Cub Swanson in like 2015. Yeah. But 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 every but he's been stunned in three round ones the past five fights. 2012. Like, All right, I was way off. But yeah, three of the five times he got three of the five times he got stunned were in round one. The other right. two were in round two against I think Poirier. And I think Makachev stunned him around too. Yeah, Chandler fucking had that man. Yeah. I don't even know what happened in that fight. That's that's all on on Oliveira to come back with that it was wild, wild fight. Cool, coach. The people's so main something events. that I forgot to mention uh, about the previous the welterweight bout, the uh, Mike Marlowe and the Adam Fugit. They're both southpaws, and when a southpaw fights another southpaw. It's usually really ugly. Um, and the reason for that, most people are right-handed, which means they fight orthodox. So Southpaws, most of their career, fight orthodox fighters. And most orthodox fighters fight orthodox fighters. So rarely do two Southpaws ever face each other. And when they do, it's just as awkward for them as it is for orthodox fighters. So it's uh, it doesn't change the prediction. It doesn't change anything. It's just when uh, when Dan mentioned uh, that Dariush that uh, Charlie O's usually has problems with southpaws. That just uh, made me remember. Oh, I wanted to say that. So there you go. All right. So with this fight here, full disclosure, I'm biased as fuck. I'm friends with Benny, um, but. That doesn't mean I don't have a rationalization behind why I am picking my friend. Uh, so let me share some of that. First of all, um, he owns King's MMA Anaheim. And he, he doesn't teach any classes at King's MMA Anaheim. He owns a gym, but he doesn't teach there. But he trains there three times a day, six days a week, whether he's in camp or not in camp. Uh, damn. He also has sparring partners in Anaheim and Huntington Beach, the original King's MMA, uh, yeah. Rafael Cordero. So Benny's work ethic, his training uh, is superior. And honestly, it's damn near optimal. And that, that's rare, very rare, especially in MMA. Uh, so that's, that's one reason I'm going with Benny. When we look at Charlie, I love him. I love him. I think he's cool. I think he's awesome. I think he's fun. But, as Dan pointed out, he gets dropped. He gets rocked. And that's because he's reckless. And that's because his defense really isn't great. His offense is. He's aggressive. But he's aggressive without the defense, right? So, Mike Tyson gets all this credit for being a hyper-aggressive, explosive knockout artist. But Mike Tyson mm -hmm. also had some of the best defense in boxing that we had seen at that point in history. 
his so, his uh, rope doping, his tuck and rolls, being yeah, able to bobbing and weaving and bobbing and weaving and, and coming around with the hook after it, like you know, yep, like the yep. closest to that in MMA at one point would have been Rampage, but that's still light light years behind what yeah. Tyson had. Yeah. So uh, Charlie's got half that. He's got the he's got the aggressive output, but he really his his defense is. At, at at this level in the game, I would say that his defense is lacking. That's not to say he's not a world-class fighter. But top five of one of the best divisions in the UFC, his defense is lacking. But the high output and the high aggression is difficult for a lot of people to put up with uh, or to deal with. But then you get guys like Gaethje and uh, Chandler who are also high on the offense, but low on the <laughs> low on the defense. Uh, and you, you get some exciting and interesting turnouts, but uh, Benny, his defense is stronger than his offense in the striking. His defense is very good. His offense is also very good. So, I see him winning the striking exchange. Charlie has zero wrestling, like legit wrestling. He's got jujitsu takedown and shoot a box takedown, but that's, that's not wrestling guys. That's, that's, eh. uh, Darius or Benny. He's got, he's got great wrestling. Now, again, I know Benny, I talked to him. He says that the, his wrestling is his weak point in his game. And I agree with him, but it is still part of his game and it is outstanding. He is very good. It just means his striking is better and his jujitsu is better. Now, have you guys ever heard of this guy uh, named Neiman Gracie? Is he the adopted one or is that Ralph? He's the um, one in Bellator. Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I'm thinking of Ralph then. Because I know yeah. there's a Gracie that's like adopted into the family. Interesting. <laughs> uh, so they call Neiman, him Hal. He's an American named Ralph. They call him Hal. It's a Brazilian thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Neiman <laughs> is uh, is bigger than Charlie. Better than Charlie. Definitely one of the like. He's a Gracie, uh, not just in name, but uh, so he's one of Benny's primary primary jiu-jitsu training partners and uh for the past 20 weeks right because that's the other thing that we got to remember this fight was supposed to happen 10 weeks ago and so they were already in camp for each other and then they're in camp again so for the past 20 weeks benny has been put in terrible positions under neiman gracie and working from there so the other thing I want to point out, everything about Charlie's style is hyper aggressive. And I, and I wouldn't say his jujitsu is as good as everybody thinks it is, but the way he uses his jujitsu is what makes it special. He lands his punches first and then is immediately bang yeah. on in a dominant position. So, but he doesn't really have takedowns and you know, as, in in the jujitsu world, uh, he's good, but he's not he's not ADCC level. You know, um, so 
Charlie could get could be aggressive, could land the no. See, Benny's chin is too strong. You're not going to knock out Benny. His defense is too good. You're not going to wobble him. Of that, you know, obviously the Edson Barbosa fight, which was five years ago. I still in the you know in the Ramsey Nijam fight even longer than that. I can't get those fights out of my head when it comes even, to his... even even Benio against Jakar Close when Close rocked. Dude, that Darius. was the wildest wildest comeback of all time. And, and I then still he came back in. It's like when I said the Cubs wants a knockout when he knocked out Charlie. It's like those were so long ago, and he's a different fighter. I just can't wipe them from my memory when it comes into predicting fighters. I'm like, oh, that could happen again, but it hasn't. So, you right. know, it's just a, it's like these weird blemishes in my mind that prevent me from having like a full full faith in them not getting knocked out again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's my bias. I'm, I'm 100% behind my friend. Uh, Benny is going to win this. I do think it goes to decision. Uh, now, this is a five-round fight or a three-round? Three. Round? Three. Uh, three oh, weird. Okay. That is weird. Isn't that weird? That is weird. They've been yeah. making like they've been making way less popular fights that are co-main non-titles five round fights. Yeah. Yeah. I I would I would have expected this to be a, a five round fight, but uh, yeah. Uh yeah, I think it's a 30-27 for, for Benny. I think what like with what you were saying, the jujitsu, one of the big things with uh Charles is his reach. He has those long hands yeah. and those long legs and he knows how to use them against guys that are a little bit smaller in the height in the, the reach department and it gives him that extra advantage and that's why I think of lately he's kind of utilized those leg kicks to the side he just throws it to the side a little reckless and they work against guys that keep that distance and then when they yeah. close up and he can use that jab he, the first thing he does is boom, he gets to the back of his opponent because yeah. he knows that it's going to be hard to break out of that re- that those long hands and that triangle that he wraps up right. on the back yeah. to keep a hold of his opponent until yeah. they just make a mistake and then boom, Bernie can choke. Yeah. Well, it's it's incredibly difficult to get out of a body triangle from from the back. Um, yeah, there's guys that are good at it. I just most most MMA fighters are not. <laughs> um, the other thing, uh, Charlie looked bad in his last fight. Yeah, his, against Islam. And was there anything going on, or was it just Islam's that good? It wasn't like it wasn't. I think, it's just, uh, I think it's. I think it's. I think it was matchup. Matchup because yeah, stylistically, you know, up until that but, point. So. Stylistically. Benny is closer to uh, Makachev, you know? Um, But I think Charlie made a lot of mistakes when he fought Makachev. I I think he... Like signing the contract or... No, no, no. Like in the fight, I think, uh, you know, like he abandoned the game plan, or I assume it was the game plan, right? He, He didn't manage distance very well with Makachev. Um, he went out and started using, you know, his teep and got frustrated that it wasn't working, but it wasn't not working, but then he rushed in to start. And he just, he didn't manage distance very well. And it seemed like 
he kind of rushed and it, it seems like he, he, uh, he got frustrated or he was already nervous to start with. But, uh, I think the other thing is I just, you know, looking at the, the, the coaching staff between these two, uh, and you know, Charlie's got some really good guys, but he's also had the same camp for I think almost his entire career. No, which is which is a good thing, I think. Yeah. Um, but you know, the thing is, America does it better, and uh, SoCal is where it's at, guys. I mean, I'm from Orange County, so yeah, I'll represent yeah. you. And the answer, yeah. Ivan, no, I don't think the winner faces Gage here at Fourier. I think the winner... Yeah, stop giving those guys goddamn title shots. That trifecta of those three fighters only fighting the same three fighters he's in. There's a reason why there's a reason why these two are fighting each that's other. For the, that's for the that's for the new BMF, right? Yeah, yeah. Gage and Poirier is for the new BMF belt. Because both of these guys had two, three <laughs> chances already, and they couldn't capitalize Chris, you look on sick. it. You look disgusting. Like I said, man, it's just it's a combination of Chandler Gaethje and Poirier fighting each other for like the past like five years, like. And that's why these with two a little guys Connor are and, little Connor and yeah, that, little that's Connor these two, foot sprinkled in yeah, there. That's why these two guys are fighting each other, and then uh, Chandler's fighting uh, Connor in November, December, whenever they decide to do it. it keeps getting right. pushed back because they want to u- utilize a big pay per view uh, for the buy-ins. But no, I think Benio Darius, if he wins, I mean, he's guaranteed the shot. Right. That that's that's been spoken, right? Yes. Dana has said that. Um, this fight down here, I think, is relevant to the the overall picture. Um, I think it's exciting. I don't know who wins on uh, between Poirier and and Gaethje. Um, but the other thing is, man, everybody, everybody. TikTok. Everybody's getting up there in age. All these guys are 34, yeah. 35. Yeah. Uh, I think Benny's 34. Uh, Charlie O's is what? 36? 33. Um, 33. 33. You've just been at it for a while. Okay. Uh, and Poirier and Gaethje, they're... Definitely are up there. Especially in, yeah. especially in fight miles, which are dog years. We, we got Bo saying the Bronx. He said... Uh, as long as he doesn't get control of the majority of the fight, I think he wins. Can we go back and put up what uh, Bo said when it first came on? Nope. This one? Nope. This one? That one. Now, I'm <laughs> dyslexic. And Bo and... It's Duke, Bo Bronx, Duke like, Jackson. Fuck. That's what I read. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picking up what you're throwing down. Yeah. <laughs> And then he said the narrative is in Benir's favor. Because I'm we, laying the narrative, brother. Yeah. And then we got. I already Fox. told you he's my friend. And then we got Devin. <laughs> we got Devin. Hey, what's up, fellas? Do you not know how politics works? Come on. I, I don't think the narrative is in Benir's favor because he had that title shot that they didn't give him, or he would have had it by now. So that to me proves that it's not in his favor. Yeah. yeah. They knew what they were doing when they were booking this fight. They were given time because they know Makachev is not going to be ready until the fall because he said he wasn't going to be ready. So they wanted to book Veneer in a fight beforehand. So if he wins this, then there's a clear cut. Okay, we have no point but to give him the title shot. But if Oliveira wins, then it kind of puts him in a situation where 
do they have to give them that rematch or then or just give them a situation afterwards where they could be like okay we'll give Oliveira the winner of Gagey and Poirier just because we want to because I could see the UFC doing that so that's why I feel like Benir it probably would have been in Benio's best interest not to fight because then he could have waited and got the title shot. But then he, I feel like he's the type of guy that wants to fight and he's yeah, not afraid he, he to. Was, when when they when Charles pulled out of the the last fight, he yeah. was trying to he was trying to he even uh, he and Armin Sarukian yeah both agreed to fight each other. And the UFC said, uh, <laughs> "No, we have different plans for each of you." <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> and they they uh, they made Benny. Uh, you know, this is a fight that everyone wants anyway, and it's a, it's an important fight. And uh, Sarukian, man, that he's he's waiting in the bushes, and he is going to assassinate some people. Rankings so, don't matter and, right now. And Sarukian is young, and all these other guys are old. Uh, sorry, Benny, but, you know. <laughs> Who am I to call anybody old? Oh, Fuck you. And both of these guys debuted at least 10 years ago. Yeah. Everybody right. in the top four, top five. He um, said, I just think Olive Lane's the better shots two out of three rounds, and I do like the over. So he, he thinks that it's going to go the What's distance. the over? What does that mean? Usually the over in the three-round fight would be a, a one and a half rounds. The time-wise. Okay. And who's Bo Jackson? <laughs> Bo knows. Does he? Does he <laughs> knows. I yeah. Yeah. I'm holding up. I've seen Bo Jackson pop fly out of a foul ball. So uh, You know it. That, he was on the Angels at the time. That's how old I am. Oh, jeez. But let's transition from this to the main event. We've got the Women's Bannerweight Championship. we got Amanda Nunez versus Irene Aldana. Yes, we do. And um, I like Irene Aldana so much. I have so much love for everyone who came up to Invicta getting title shots on the big stage like this. Um, she is a fantastic fighter, represents her country well. She is fundamentally sound everywhere and can finish you from every position. She's got eight knockouts, three submissions. We saw that wild upkick from literally the ground to Macy Chasson, which I mean, people had to watch that replay to be like bullshit. And what then they happened? saw it and they were what like, What happened? You can kick the liver from the ground? Yeah. So you she was on her... kick the liver from the ground. Yeah. What? So she was, she was on her back flat. Yep. And Macy Chasson had standing position yep. doing foot, you know, foot control. And May, she just threw an upkick to a standing position, got her right in the liver, stopped the fight. Yeah. But it was, it was a axe kick. Up kick. It wasn't a stop. You kick. are correct. It was a blade. It was a hooking, not a straight axe yet. kick, heel to the liver that nobody's ever seen before. I don't know about nobody, but uh, I've been in this. Yeah, sport maybe in the a street fight. Yeah, I've the never first seen time this that I've seen fights. And she meant to fucking do it. That's yeah. the other thing. There was no accidental intentions behind that for sure. There's the um, liver. Here's my heel. Kadoosh. <laughs> and don't forget the one where she knocked out Ketlin Vier. That was a a big time blow that she had with that, with that. She just knocked her down. We usually see beer and she's very tough and she's hard to uh, knock out. We don't see that that much. And she like that. Yeah. 
Um, let me bring up the women's rankings in that division real quick. She is ranked number five right now. Uh, Kelly Vieira is ranked number four. Um, Holmes at three, Pennington at two, Pena at one. So Pena's coming off that loss with the title fight. Irene has beaten, I think, both Holmes and Pennington. I think she lost. Yeah. The, she, oh, she, she lost. lost those were only losses. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Got it. Got it. I was looking at. I had dyslexia. I looked at the the win loss colors backwards. Um, so coming off with a two fight winning streak, two fight finishing streak, right now makes sense for her to get a title fight, even at rank number five. Uh, I think Irina Donna is fundamentally sound everywhere. Her, I think her fundamentals are better everywhere. But I think Amanda obviously is meaner everywhere. And that is going to be the difference maker. With how crisp Irina's boxing is, Nunez's boxing is nuclear weapons coming at you for up to five minutes or five rounds for sure. So uh, Irina's going to be on her toes, I think, this entire fight. I think she's going to be – and unless she comes out like Pena did where she was like, fuck it, I'm walking into this machine, I, I don't see that happening again. I don't think Nunez is going to let herself get bullied again in this fight. Uh, I would be surprised if either one of them finished either one of them. So I think Nunez's stand-up pressure and ability to defend takedowns are going to get her a five-round decision. I think it's going to be, what is it, 50-45? Is that a full full favored? Yeah, 50-45, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to Nunez. It's going to be fun. It's going to be competitive. I just think Nunez is going to be the – she's going to be the, the alpha dog in this fight for sure. Ivan's chiming in. Aldana hasn't fought since 2022 in September. Last win against Chi-San. Is she ready for Nunez? That's a good point because three of her last four books. That's not that seven. long ago. That's only six months ago or less. You know, that's really not a career-defining distance off. That's pretty average, especially when you're. I was going to say. I was going to say. You're sitting out for a title fight, like you know it's coming, and Pena's yeah. is, you know, and Nunez is almost a year. I, I think that. If he's bringing up ring rust as a detriment, I don't see that happening. They're both equally been out as you know as, as long as each other have. Yeah, I was going to bring up the fact that she's only fought once in the last two and a half years because three out of the last four scheduled fights have been canceled. She was supposed to have the fight right before Macy against Jermaine DeRanami before uh, GDR had that horrific accident and then yeah. we haven't seen her but, fight since but she's been she's been in camp for those so it's not like she's yeah. sitting on the sidelines with a busted knee exactly you no know, she trains for those fights up until they're canceled and i don't think she takes days off um so she's probably stayed ready and have not having to worry about getting ready as the great connor had once said yeah. so i think yeah. there's gonna be two like narratives in this fight how ready is aldana gonna be for a five-round fight with her, another one with her is how much pressure do you think she's going to have because she's Mexican and of course we have the three Mexican champions and now she has the opportunity to be number four. So how much pressure? A cuatro. Is, I really is that going to be? Yeah, is that going to put on her the fact that she has the chance to be the fourth one? Then you got Nunez. I feel like she's been one foot out the door for the last two three years. We saw the king. We saw the, the loss against Pena. I feel like once I watched it a couple of times, I feel like that was her letting go everything out of the gas tank to get that finish. She didn't get the finish. 
she had nothing left. Pena took over, and then she kind of adapted the second fight, switched her game plan up. Even, even though Pena was able to hit her with a lot of shots with the legs and grapple with her, she she was able to withstand that land her big shots as usual. She was more so leaning the the more accurate shots, picking and choosing when she was going to throw instead of just throw an onslaught at uh, Pena. And she was able to do that for all five rounds. She's done five-round fights for the last 10 to 12 fights. And I think that's a big advantage for her. It's just going to come down to whether she drops her game plan and goes for broke when she lands a big shot, or she going to be uh, consistent with how she goes usually, and she's patient. Because if she can do that, I think Nunez is the better fighter. She might not be the quicker fighter, but I feel like she has the power. She has the the strength advantage. She has the abilities uh, to keep the belt. But I wouldn't put it past if Aldana were to win just because maybe all the attention on training isn't with Nunez. I feel like she just had another baby. She's talked about retirement, and that's a big red flag to me when people talk about retirement before a big fight, because then they're not going to be fully invested into the training. I'm still leaning towards Nunez by round three knockout, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was flipped because of it. But it's hard for me to go against her, knowing how she looked in the last fight compared to the first one against Pena. And with Aldana only fighting once in the last two and a half years, I really can't take her when her that that's her biggest win is against Macy Chieson. And we've seen Nunez go through the division almost twice. So I'm going with Nunez by round three. I finished. I, I would love to see that. I no disrespect to Irana Irene. Uh, yeah. I like I like Nunez's knockouts. Like they're just violent. They're just violence. It's just savage finishes yeah. every time. These rankings are whack yeah they're weird they are whack um <clears throat> i I, I don't even remember the last time i've seen penny keen's on fight what the fuck yeah uh yeah and, she I just mean, fought a couple months ago really where uh, raquel yeah she did she did fought a year ago penny keen's hasn't fought since april 2022 and she's number seven Oh, wait. Damn, it hasn't built like that long. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, I I don't... I know Pena technically beat Nunez, uh, <clears throat> which is why she's ranked number one. I think she literally... Uh, she literally... Yeah, beat her. Not even right. technically. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, she beat her. <laughs> But it was, it's like, did did she win or did Amanda lose? And you know, Amanda didn't show I, up. Yeah, man, I, 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 I'll, I'll hard disagree. I think Amanda lost that fight. I think Pena pulled that shit out and wanted it and she got it. I don't think there was any, you can say whatever you want about like her, Amanda's mental state going into that fight. That's that's her problem, not Pena's problem. Right. But it, it was absolutely because Amanda was poorly prepared because then when they had the rematch it was she, Amanda didn't even break a sweat. The, way, the so, way the first fight should have been absolutely yeah. Exactly right uh, so 
Julia Pena being ranked number one is just, it's questionable. It's dubious to me. Holly Holmes being in the ranking is silly, but, and uh, we got Ketlin Vieira who was knocked out by Adana above her. These rankings are just, they're whack. Anyway, um, Chris, how long you been in LA? Uh, the county or like SoCal? Because I'm SoCal born and raised, so 39 years. Okay, so for for a bit. Okay, um, do you remember there was a restaurant? It was a cantina on on Melrose called El Guapo. That I don't know. Okay, uh, so about I love Boston. years ago. Yeah, yeah, right. I I, <laughs> I wanted him to be part of it, but I don't think he was. But uh, El Guapo, it was, uh, you know, tequila and Mexican food cantina, and it was a cool little joint on Melrose. And we frequented there because they played the UFC. And 13 or 14 years ago, I don't remember exactly, I had this feeling that Matt Sarah was going to beat GSP. And there was absolutely no reason to have that feeling. But You, you had this feeling? Yeah, and USC I. USC in Texas. Let's go talk about it. That's one of my favorite fights of all time. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I was there with my wife Taryn, and I said under my breath because I didn't want people to hear me. Yeah, I got this feeling that Matt Sarah is going to win. She's like, really? I said, yeah, I don't, yeah. And then uh, Matt Sarah knocked out GSP. I got the same feeling right now <laughs> um, oh, I, love that fight, man. I fucking watch that fight like man God, memories yeah i have the same feeling and there's it doesn't make sense uh now do you comparatively see this as an equal upset because i fucking don't no it's it's way closer Thank it's you. Okay, closer, cool. You're right? still, you're still, you still have your wits um, about you. Yeah. Right. Like nothing will ever. They said like when Holly Holm fought Rousey, they're like, oh, this is the greatest upset since Sarah and GSP one. I'm like, not if you fucking know who Holly no. Holm is. If you yeah. know who Holly Holm is, this is not an upset. And it was really was more too, like yeah. an unveiling, which is actually what the word apocalypse actually means is lifting the veil. Um, yeah. That'll be relevant in a few months, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, uh, Holly Holmes knocking out Ronda Rousey was just taking our rose-colored glasses off. Yeah, about who Ronda was, right? Where and then and, in and, and the booking like, and oh. how they booked her again, who they booked her against, right? To, yes, to, yeah. You know, you got to start somewhere, but uh, still, Matt Sarah and GSP, right? Matt Sarah completely undersized and underskilled <laughs> um, and just went balls out and beat up what many people call the goat. Um, I don't think me personally, I don't think GSP is the goat. Uh, he could have been, but he never finished his fucking fights. Um, because of that fight. You think? You think I that's what it was? So, okay, story time. Obviously, we know that GSP's finishing rate was much higher before that fight. You know, he'd finished Matt Hughes. He'd finished um, um, Jay Huron. He'd finished Sean Shirk. 
he was finishing people almost left and right up until that fight. And he was like, man, I got to change something. He went to a sports therapist, got his fears about getting hit out of his way and said, fuck it. I'm going to be the best wrestler this division's ever seen. And I'm not going to fight to finish. I'm going to fight to not get finished. And that's exactly what happened. Wow, that's um, a shit he's, he's, therapist. That's give exactly me that what therapist. Happened. Give me that therapist number and I will make a couple phone uh, calls. Yeah. And, 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 and I know he hasn't lost, but it reminds me of Floyd Mayweather. He fights that not to lose because he's going right. to be the quicker guy, throw, go, throw, go. And it's not if very only exciting, had, but it wins. If only he had the management team. Yeah. yeah. I think had. like his only finish after that loss to Sarah <laughs> was against Matt Hughes in the trifecta match where he got that weird arm bar in Anaheim. Spin around arm bar. Yeah. Yeah. That arm yeah. bar was fucking wild. I love that thing. It was, you know, I didn't like Matt Hughes at the time. So I was like, cool. Um, so, but then you, go, either, you jump forward, jump forward to that John I, Hendricks fight where he had no choice but to stand and bang. Fifty percent of all of the shots that GSP ever took his an entire career were in that Johnny Hendricks fight. Yeah, and that was the thing that he never wanted to do again. But he had no choice because of how good a wrestling Hendricks was at the time. Yeah, and Hendricks won that go. fight. Everybody knows it. It's not a secret. Oh God! Say, yeah, and yeah. judges and judges suck. <laughs> Um. Yeah, really. The judges. It's blatant that they are either incompetent and or corrupt, and you cannot, you cannot make any any arguments or excuses otherwise. Um. So this whole tangent that we just went off of seems really weird, but it could be prophetic because I think. Aldana is going to knock out Amanda. Uh, like now, zero. Like, do you see like zero a... rationale? Logically, this doesn't make any sense. You have the arguably the greatest female fighter ever uh, with somebody that's very talented. Uh, but there's just something I see in the energy and and forgive me for saying their auras. Um, I, and then, I, you know. I don't believe in spirituality, but that's a word you're allowed to use. All right. <laughs> it's not my job to convince you of anything. Um, exactly. But Dan Dan made the good point of Amanda with one foot out the door. The red flag of, of talking about uh, retirement. Like, retirement should be a repugnant thought for any fighter. I don't care how how grounded and sensible the fighter is if you are fighting you are not thinking about retirement and if you start thinking about retirement right. it's fucking time to retire this is not a fucking sport it's not a game this is <laughs> really fucking dangerous and really fucking stupid and if your brain betrays you a little bit really bad things happen so i've been calling amanda amanda for a while now because i've seen i've seen the effect that uh domestication has had on her um it was part of the reason why julia pena became champion it wasn't the only reason right there was also toxic gym environments etc but it is it is a factor right and then her wife just had another baby or had another baby or is about to, or I don't, I don't know. Baby, baby number two. Baby number two is is already here, or on the way. 
on the way. On the way, yeah. So anyway, um, but again, I'm I'm giving all these rational reasons, and this is not rational. This is uh, I got a gut feeling, and uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I like um, that. I mean, I love an upset. I will fucking jump out of my chair, run around my living room if if Irina gets if Irina gets it done the way you say. Yep. Yep. Do you think she's and and, past and I think it's gonna look, I think it's gonna look like a lucky shot too. I, like I, I a think, dodge uh, a loop with a clip or something. I I just see the right hand coming inside straight while Amanda's throwing something loopy. Yep, um, I see that too. I see that because, like I said, with Arini's fundamental boxing, it's crisp, it's short shots. There's no wasted movement. Where I would say and, that uh, I would say that murdered, does, she would have murdered Nunes Holly Holm if if her foot wasn't injured and Holly didn't run the whole time. She would have. So if Arini won that fight, her. she would have won that fight. Absolutely, you know. <laughs> so it's sort of the same situation where Grasso uh, beat. Uh, Shevanko because Shevanko kept on making the same mistake and she caught on to it and took advantage. She was making that mistake. She was making that mistake, or I'm not saying mistake because it yeah. wasn't a mistake until that fight. That's a tell that she had revealed in all of her fights, and we yeah. obviously saw the footage of Grasso yeah. training that exact yeah. maneuver. So yeah. it wasn't like Valentina made a mistake per se. She just got scouted than, very. Yeah, yeah. They they did the homework. They they did the research. But by by mistake, I should so, say she kept on doing it because she doesn't. She right, wouldn't right. Do it. She did do it. Yeah. She did do it one or two times, and Gross was like, "Oh, I yeah. know the cheat code for this. It's just yeah. jump on your back." Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like so I'm, I'm, I'm either uh, I'm either psychic and uh, or psycho. This is prophetic or psycho. Exactly right. So I love I'm that. either very right or I'm. Very, very wrong. And uh, we will see. We will see this weekend. <laughs> so, 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 we I, both, uh, so then, Cage, we, yeah. we both have Amanda by decision. Is that what, or did you say her Amanda has KO I, by like round three? Amanda round three finish. Okay. Yeah. So we have two, two Amandas, one Arini, two finishes, one decision. Yeah. And we got yeah, Ivan I'm going to go with the knockout in round four. Um, okay. And I, she's, she's going to pull it out i think she's going to be i think it's going to be a pretty one-sided fight until oh okay Ooh. okay okay yeah so here's a throwback you think it's going to be and you have no idea who the fuck i'm talking about um you might you might know cage um <clears throat> mike russo versus uh what's his fucking name that guy the big guy todd duffy remember that fight vaguely uh, yeah vaguely so Todd Duffy was this big GI, just big He-Man looking dude, and he was fucking. I, up I know Todd right. Duffy. Todd Duffy's the man. I love Todd Duffy. Dude's like, yeah. Dude started taking shrooms and like grew his hair out, and I was like a hippie. He used to be like this big <laughs> fucking jock. I dude, Rashad Evans did the same fucking thing, and I love them for it. The fight was like thirteen minutes of this jacked bodybuilder fucking up this fat dad. And then, like one minute left, Russo just hits his looping right hand, and then the hammer fist to death. And that is one of the most like upsettable upsets you'd ever seen. And that might be what this is. <laughs> but I think both of these fighters are better than those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Ivan has a question for you, coach. What's next yeah. for Nunez after this look at the rankings? There isn't much for her to do. Just third the fight against Pena. And then what next for Nunez? Might as well retire. Yeah, I mean, retirement is 
it's right around the corner. It's it's here. It's you know. Well, yeah, she can't um, defend that featherweight one because there's only five fighters. Really in no that, division. Division. that division isn't even active. There's not even non-contenders in that division at all. Duran and me moved down to 30 or 40, 35, right? She's injured, yeah. moved down to 35. Megan Anderson got fucking put in her place, which I no offense, I love Megan, but she was hyped beyond her skill set at the time. And I think she was trying to be the next white, you know, the great white horse. Um in the division, you know, she was supposed to be the future. I think the it's next one had to be weird that, that 145 is not an active divi- division. Like, there's not even active fighters on the roster. The last that's, five, I mean. that's, that's crazy. Like 145 for women, like they exist. All... I've seen them. It's fucking stacked Fuck yeah. everywhere outside the UFC. I know this Fuck for a yeah. fact. I'm the and, biggest and, you know, like, fan of, where, of that division. Where are the female rugby players that? You know, want to actually do a real fucking yeah. sport? You know, I was like, come on. They're probably and, getting treated the way they should be. There yeah, you go. the problem is there the problem is they're in Invicta, I think, because the UFC doesn't use the division; they get right to Bellator. That's why Bellator's 145 division is doing yeah. well because they know that it's not you, so they um, just go to Bellator. Who is, who is home I mean, rule that gave you know Felicia Spencer? Didn't she move over? Be, yeah. The, the UFC has to know something that we don't know. That's the only explanation. They have to know something it's, about you know, marketing it's, it's not, and sales yeah. and, you know. Um, it's not a jab, but you know it's bad when, uh, what's her name, uh, Norma Dumont is ranked number one in the featherweight division. She's ranked number one there because there's only five players. Or, or, or Invicta. I don't even have UFC. I don't even, I don't even have on my UFC rankings women's featherweight. There's no, there's no names. It's just picture of Amanda and then not a list. Yeah, they, they, they put you it out like ESPN or media rankings. No, uh, Dana White put it out like a couple weeks ago, and he okay. was like, "So I guess no, no, the question is, what, what does Amanda do after she retires? Yeah. Does she go into broadcast in Brazil, or you know, she could be? I, I, would, like her. Her, I would like to see her do play by play. She's that would be pretty cool." And, I can um, see her coach because she does it right now. I see her coaching right, right now in people's school, right? Oh God! I mean, I want I want her to be able to support her family, so I hope she yeah. doesn't go into coaching. Oh, I think she'll be fine. As long as she doesn't do, <laughs> as long as she doesn't do third-rate B movies like Cyborg did, she'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> like now, the fire to dam of punches, whatever that bullshit. Well, whatever Cerrone just put out was that like Mojave Diamonds. They got like a two point <laughs> rating. I don't even know why I know the name of that. Fuck, it's so bad. Wow. I I'll take your word for it. Like, They're just bad. Word. Every time you fucking cast like a full like you could put an MMA fighter in a cameo here and there in a movie, it'll be fine. But if you do like an all right. cast MMA fighter or, or a fight yeah. scene, right? Put them in a fight scene, keep their mouth shut. Yeah. Awesome. Well, and, uh, and I don't mean like you, Cowboy because... and uh Gina Carano, didn't they do a, a western together? Yeah, it was bad. Up? And you know what's yeah. fucked up? That was an that was a Steven Soderbergh movie. Steven Soderbergh bad. did like Ocean's Eleven. He does like great films, big blockbusters, yeah. very smartly yeah, was... written. And that movie. I wanted it to be good, damn it. Yeah, I, and, I watched uh, it Henry Cejudo. Henry Cejudo. Henry Cejudo just produced a film. Produced, like yeah, it's like uh, that just means he put up the money fight, fight film. Set in World War Two, a Japanese POW, and a I don't, I don't know. Is that like Last uh, Samurai? But 
yeah, it's weird. I'll look into yeah. it. Check out the check out his Instagram because he does a lot of good, like just videos of him breaking down fights, and he does a good job. Yeah, the so one with him, though, him yeah, and yeah. him and Demetrius Johnson sitting on the same couch, going over their second fight, or they went over both of their fights. Yeah, it's so. Cejudo, when he's not in the media, is a great guy. I know this. Yeah. He's a great coach. I I like his you know enthusiasm. It's just when he knows he's on camera is when he gets back. Oh yeah, because he did a great <laughs> job. He did a great job with Zhang Wei Li and John Jones helping. And John Jones, out. yeah, both of those yeah. fights, and they showed the footage of him training them for those Whoa, specific the commie, positions. The commie and the criminal. Fuck. <laughs> exactly. Fuck those people. <laughs> That's the next buddy cop movie produced by Henry Cejudo. <laughs> Directed by Kevin Smith. <laughs> I feel like the UFC with the with the women, the UFC is gonna get smaller. I wouldn't be surprised if they do away with the featherweight and then they bring in an atom weight. Because that's something that Belter just did with the men's. They just brought yeah. in the men's atom weight. And I see it as something because men's, there's men's a lot more fighting. Like men, yeah. like men, at 105 yeah. pounds. Yes. I thought midget wrestling was outlawed. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Juicy Formiga was in that division for a while, so uh, it exists yes. everywhere. I mean, not everywhere, but like I, I, I think it, 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 one FC it has it, it, right? Yeah, yeah. And listen, See, you can't body, you can't body shame everybody. Yes, I can. Uh, I you in expect in MMA, the, the lightest weight class for men should be bantamweight. They should they should fix the fucking weight cutting problem. They should yeah. add extra extra weight classes. Weight classes should be ten pounds apart. One thirty five, forty five, fifty five, sixty five, seventy five, eighty five, ninety five, two hundred five. Yeah, See? I like that. See how that works. Cerrone was fighting. Cerrone was fighting that for a long time when he was going between fifty five and seventy. But and, uh, like and two guys that fight at 125, they cut down from 150. <clears throat> it's ridiculous. Which is literally and if you're, 30% of their body weight, at least. Yeah. 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 And if you're fighting at one at 125, you can make one you can make 135, or you can go to the other side of the planet and fight in Asia. Like if you're really that small, I think they're passing long... laws over there too about their behind. They have well, I know. Yeah, they were the first to do that for sure. But who knows? You know, it's still not regulated by a governing sanction. It's all self-governed. Yeah, and it's it's pretty easy to scam. It's pretty easy to. Well, I mean, so I hear. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, uh, back to the body shaming. Um. I don't know. I I, I just can't imagine. Men at 105 pounds, if they're over the age of 13. I was literally 156 when I was 13. Yeah. Yeah. How do you remember that? Oh, because you got that kind of brain. That's right. Yeah. Well, because I, I, that's (laughs) when I first started started taking gym when I was in high school. Um, It was like, uh, it was was literally gym class, not PE. So I double backed. My PE class was mandatory, and then my elective was gym. So I would just run for an hour and then go right to gym with the same coach. And he would do like BMIs on us and stuff. So I remember. I was only wow. 99 when I was 13. 99 pounds. 99 pounds. Nice. Must have been nice. I have, have no nice. idea. I have no idea what I weighed when I was 13. When I was 
16. But that was the 70s. Was, so. Yeah. 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 Well, it was the 80s. But uh, yeah, when oh, I was okay. 16. I forgot we're actually the 16, same age. 17, I was uh, 165 pounds. Uh, ranked in the state in both track and swimming. Nice. Oh, nice. This state? Yeah. New York State. Oh, okay. Wow. That's, yeah. yeah, that's high level right there then. Yeah. Cool. Well, coach 165 pounds, five foot 11, 165 pounds. And now I'm that's a runner, that's about a that's a runner's weight, right? That's for, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, but uh, I'm now 220, so <laughs> yeah, same, it's just a same. little, it's a little bit I different. I'm not full of pizza, I promise you that. <laughs> well, I appreciate you guys coming back on. I'm glad I was able to make it. I love doing MMA breakdowns, I cannot wait to watch these fights Saturday. Um, I haven't watched any of the Unleashed and the Embedded's yet. I'm going to get to that tonight and catch up. Can't wait for the weigh-ins. Bro, um, but... Aldana has like six or seven cats. <laughs> yes. I got three, so I'm halfway there. That's why I was like, what is, okay, what yeah, is the hey. official minimum? What, how many cats does it take to officially qualify? Everybody in the chat, cat go to our Instagram, circle the debate, find this post, leave the comment. How many cats makes you a crazy cat lady? With that note, I'm gonna let you guys decide. That Coach, was the official response on my on my Facebook survey. That's that was the most common response. Is that five is the minimum number, but uh, then there's a lot of qualifying factors like age and how crazy. So Cleanly you can actually have zero cats and still qualify as a crazy cat lady. Yeah, I think but, you can have uh, five cats and have it clean. Like if I walk into your house and it's a fucking cat nest, then that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Mine is Man, not. See, I see, I've got a cat tree. I've got a cat door. I've got this little boxy thing right here. Yes. No, nobody's right, right there. But yes. they're, they're not <laughs> hanging out with you. He's. I don't know. He's <laughs> not volume, in the tree. Yeah, the volume's too loud. My voice scares him away. Probably. Fuck off, Rages here. I will see you guys for the recap show next week. And on that note, fight on. See you guys. All right.